Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast, powered by Goodwill. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo from the Rep, Chris Easterling of the Maslin Independent. We also have some guests from North Canton Hoover High School observing us, so you might hear them in the background. We might even bring them in. They might know more than us. We're going to look ahead to this week's regional finals, starting with Maslin and Wadsworth. They play at North Canton Memorial Stadium, each team 12-0. and And Chris Easterling from the uh, Indy, you've been covering the Tigers all season. First big question is, how's the quarterback Aiden Longwell, who got uh, injured uh, last weekend? I think they, they're full expe- fully expecting him to play on, on Friday. Uh, it's an injury he suffered initially in baseball. Uh, it's his non-throwing shoulder, from what I understand. They've uh, improved the brace on uh, on his shoulder, and uh, they, they fully expect him to go. But, you know, if he doesn't, you know, nothing like knowing the, the backup plan is uh, can come in and, and, and play pretty well the way Zach Catrone did last week for him. Were you surprised at all by uh, how he delivered uh, in such a situation? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say I wasn't surprised. What what surprised me most is they didn't shrink the playbook at all. I mean, they, they ran their offense. They didn't go, oh, we have a sophomore backup in, so let's, you know, let's turn hand the ball off to Jameer Thomas, you know, every play and and, and limit what, what Zach has to do. They said, you're our quarterback for tonight, so go get him, Cowboys. And that's what he did. How much had he played this year considering the, you know, the number of blowouts they had? Six or seven games. I mean, you know, and that's, you know, talking to Nate more this week, that was something he said was a benefit because, you know, getting, while they're not crunch time reps, they're Friday night reps, and so he's been in front of big crowds and, you know, played against other varsity opponents because, you know, a lot of times when he comes in, when they empty the bench, it's earlier than some of the you know, their opponents do. So he's playing against first stringers still. So I think it was a big help for him. Hey, the question that is, I mean, if this shoulder injury were to get re-aggravated, I mean, how much of a difference does it make? And, and can they still compete for a state championship with Zach under center? I mean, it's going to make a difference because you, the intangible. I mean, the intangibles that uh, Longwell has. I mean, being a two-year starter, being being a guy who you know is a Division One caliber player. Not just. I mean, he's obviously committed to play baseball at Kent State, but you know, he's getting. Uh, you know, teams like Cincinnati are are looking at him in football, and and so you know, he's certainly athletically. You know, has you know? I, I think, I think the ch- opportunity to beat Hoban is better with with Aiden behind center than Zach. But I think, you know, I think they feel confident they can get to the game at least, get to whenever they may run into Hoban. Uh, you know, with even with Catron. How aware are Maslin's coaches, players, fans are of what's going on elsewhere? And I'm sure it was probably more relevant, like maybe in week one of the playoffs when you kind of felt like, you know, you were going to, you know, be able to win that game as opposed to maybe a tougher Wadsworth team. But how aware are they of what's going on with Toledo Central Catholic and, and Hoban? I think Hoban's always sort of been in the back of their minds all season. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if they outwardly just openly talk. Hoban, 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 but there's no doubt that you know you, you can hear chatter, you know, like a practice. You, you know, you can you can hear coaches sort of talking about you know, and little side groups saying, you know, well, 
can we can we do this if you know certain teams on the other side, other side line so i think they i think they know that about them but i think they've done a good job of staying you know not getting too far ahead of themselves yeah and too i would think if you're getting nitpicking on film you're going to say that that's good enough to beat the team we're playing this week but that's not going to get it done against a team like hoven yeah and, and that's sort of been their philosophy all season i mean is you know they don't they, they judge themselves based on themselves you know is what they say you know did we get better from last week and i think the goal is to get better for week 15 which is when they think they'll play hoven you know they'd run into hoven now you know, maybe the the state throws a curveball and and we get that next week. Should they get by Wadsworth? But but I would you know I wouldn't expect to see that game until until week fifteen. One thing our listeners can't see is Joe Scalzo's pro mic flips. As, as a fan of heavy metal music, it's good stuff right there. The way you're sliding that back and forth. I'm also wearing leather pants. I don't think Chris has talked about that. We'll leave that part out. <laughs> no, I mean it'd be interesting to see too. Just about like we got some Hoover guys in here, and I don't know how much they follow. You know, because they kind of felt like they could have been in the playoffs and. And I don't know <laughs> if you don't jump in here, but <laughs> put, put him on the pressure, Joe. <laughs> but I think you know what would have been interesting is is Hoover in place of a Mayfield. Look, at, I was looking at Hoban scores. You know, in the first round, they they plowed through Mayfield, a team that Jackson beat, if I recall, on the road in Week Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I don't think I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Hoban does flatten them, but I don't think they get beat forty nine nothing or. 49-7. I think that's a competitive game, as good as Hoban is. And uh, you know, you look at some of the other scores around there. If Hoover was in there, I think you know we talked about it in Week Ten, the way they were playing. Connor Ashby really coming into his own. That would not have been an easy out for anyone. You know, I we, we they were going to face Maslin if they got in, and I thought the strength of what Hoover did was their offensive line and. Uh, <laughs> And Apparently we have a I'm not, not, not sucking up to the you know some of the people you know some of the company we have around us, to, to, but um, you know I think to beat this masculine team and it's something I'm going to be interested to see what Wadsworth does. I think you have to be able to match them up in the line of scrimmage, and if you can't beat Maslin at the line of scrimmage. You certainly aren't going to beat their skill kids, but you know it, it's all about being able to get pressure on on whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Longwell or Catrone, and being able to to hold off Maslin's the defensive line, which has done a great job of of, of really collapsing. You know the play into the backfield through the course of the season. Maslin was a winner, thirty-five seventeen last week over Yearling. Uh, other concerns from that game beyond just the health of Longwell? Anything that got exposed or, or anything they were you know didn't think would be a problem that was a problem? I think their own mistakes are uh, you know was the biggest thing, you know, biggest takeaway. And I think it's always been sort of this team's biggest weakness is their own being their own worst enemy. Now they had. Something like a dozen penalties. Uh, you know, penalties can change very based on the officiating crew. And you know, in the playoffs, uh, you know, I'm not sure how they're doing it this year, but it seems like the the methods for choosing officials and the officiating crews that they use, you know, differs every year. But uh, you know, the, the first week they have a block punt that. Walnut Ridge returns for a touchdown. Last week they have a bad snap that 
that Whitehall yearling picks up and returns for a touchdown. And it's those little things that as you go deeper into the playoffs and get close and the, the, the talent gap gets smaller that Maslin can't afford to have those type of issues because really their defense has done a good job save for one big pass play in each game of not really letting the other team, you know, get into the end zone. But when you're you're giving them seven points with your own mistakes, that's you know, that's something even a Wadsworth, uh, you know, they you give them a couple of those and suddenly you're in, you know, five minutes left to go, you're in you're in a close ball game. And certainly beyond this week, we've got Winton Woods, a Hoban I mean, you're just gift-wrapping in the game with that type of stuff. We'll take a look at Wadsworth in just a second. Remind you that the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, November 16th. We will have Maslin Wadsworth on FridayNightOhio.com. Kickoff, 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live-streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, Todd Porter provide the call each Friday night. Uh, Chris... Wadsworth last year had a big season, uh, upset. I think it was in the first round after an unbeaten second, season. Second, second round, round. They, had, they had Mr. Football at quarterback. They had a pair of one thousand yard receivers. Those three guys are gone. I know they lost some other uh, some other key players, but they're right back uh, into the playoffs and doing well again. Yeah, they, they've sort of changed their offensive philosophy. They're still a, a spread team and and uh, a lot of uh, you know one back, even empty sets, but they're a power run team. They they now try to a lot like Maslin. They try to run out of the spread. Uh, Brock Snowball, uh, one of the the great football names out there, and uh, and Dom Laparo are two thousand yard rushers, uh, and that's what they 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 ride those two to you know you know through through most of the season those have been their their workhorses, and you know Trey Schaefer has replaced Boffman at, at quarterback and. You know he's gotten better as the season progresses. A junior, um, and, and he's a kid who uh, he's had four or five two hundred yard passing games during the during the regular season, and uh, he's been close to two hundred yards passing in each of the first two playoff games as well. So you can see him getting com- more and more comfortable. But uh, you know they're they're a lot more run oriented this year than they are they were a year ago with with Bauman. What uh, what Coach Moore have to say about them? That's uh, jumped out uh, on film to him. Just physical. I mean, he you know he he didn't call. He didn't say it was anything fancy. You know they they don't they don't change personnel groupings a lot. You know, like you see a lot of teams when they when they go spread. He he said in fact they're similar in a lot of ways to what Walnut Ridge and Whitehall did in that they'll basically just slide a receiver into the tight end spot to give him an extra blocker and then move one of the one of the uh, backs into into like an H back spot. So really uh in some ways a lot similar to the teams they played already. What impressed me is you know they they kind of want to shoot out against you know Worcester in the first round and then last week they come back against the Tri Valley team that's really strong defensively and they want to you know kind of a low scoring game I think they were trailing three nothing at halftime so um, and they've shown that they can play all four quarters not like they're blowing teams out in the first half so I would think. You know, from a standpoint of getting ready to play Maslin, they're probably as prepared as you'd, you'd hope. Yeah, that Tri Valley team. I mean, I think a lot of people have kind of slept on that team all season. We forget they were Division three state runners up last year. I picked them to win, so I was not sleeping. <laughs> 
the lone person to pick them to win. Well, I, I'll be honest. I thought they had a good chance last week uh, because of that defense. You know, that defense Trey Valley has is really, really good. And Worcester's offense, meanwhile, is really, really good. Because if you look, Worcester and Wadsworth played in week two also, and Worcester scored like 31 points. Those are the only two games Wadsworth's given up more than 25 points in, in any game this season. So, you know, Worcester, they have the Daigley kid at quarterback who's a, a, a tremendous talent. So, you know, I, I think they're ready for anything, Wadsworth is. But even talking to Justin Todd, their head coach, uh, earlier this week, I mean, he acknowledges three regional finals for one, so you're going to face good competition, and two, there's certainly no denying the talent that they're going to face across the board with this Maslin team. What uh, what X factor do you see Friday night beyond you know, the health of Maslin's quarterback? Just looking at the teams, is there one guy, one uh, facet of the game that you think uh, could have a outsized impact on it? I'll be curious to see Adric Ford's uh, impact. Uh, he returned from the, the broken collarbone a week ago. That was his first game back since week six. And their passing game just was significantly more balanced, I thought, with Ford in there because it really puts a lot more pressure on the defense because you already knew you have the two big big guys to defend in Morgan and Ballard, but you put you put Ford there in the slot and, and suddenly you've got to worry about him on, on quick screens, you gotta worry about him kind of getting in the middle on crossing routes and everything. And you know, I think he's sort of gonna be an X factor really for uh for Maslin on uh, in this game. Looking elsewhere in Division Two, Hoban is playing Maple Heights at Twinsburg. Toledo Central Catholic will play Avon and uh, Clyde. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati Winton Woods against Cincinnati Anderson at Lakota West. Uh, I think most people probably look at Hoban, Toledo Central Catholic, and Winton Woods as the clear favorites in those games, though it must be said Maple Heights is 12-0. and I think it had been dominating some people, too. That's Hoban's opponent. What are you seeing from those other games? I think I think the, the higher seeds all win. I, I think we see a very similar Final Four only sub out to put in Toledo Central Catholic for Avon as we saw a year ago. I, I mean, Toledo Central Catholic's really good, and you know they. I know they're number. They were number two in the AP poll this year, but I think over here in this part of the state, we've sort of forgotten just how. You know just how good they are and how good of a program they really are up there. And one thing I, I think you've seen over the last five years, and it kind of started with um, you know with Nate Moore down in Cincinnati, is how much tougher Division Two has gotten. That was once once they kind of shifted Division One a little bit. That got Division Two got so much harder to win a state title. And it used to be kind of open ended. I think a little bit. I think I think it's. No disrespect intended to D1. I think it's the best division, the most interesting division. I, I know we, we everybody looks at Hoban as the prohibitive favorite, but I really think that any of the you know Toledo Central Catholic, Maslin, and or Winton Woods on on the right day could give Hoban, you know, could beat Hoban. I mean, I don't think it's far fetched. I I think they all have the kind of talent, the kind of coaching, all the kind of things that you that you need to be a state champion. You know, you just you know it's not a best of seven it's best of one and you know you know i can still remember back in 96 being stunned san ignatius lost because it didn't seem like san ignatius was ever going to lose and you know i don't see why it couldn't happen to hoban this year if you look at the eight teams in division two five of them have a state title since 2007 and only wadsworth has a career postseason record that's a losing record so it 
kind of speaks to the the type of football that's being played with the eight teams left. Yeah, I mean, and one of the teams that doesn't have a title is is, is the one here from Stark County. <laughs> People are well versed on, on their lack of on the field titles. Uh, McKinley fans, uh, even Hoover fans, probably know all that type of uh, back I'm not, and forth. I'm not going to check my emails <laughs> and voicemails after that comment. By the way, we'll, we'll move from Division Two to Division Five, and, and the other game of area of interest: um, Manchester and Oroville. Um, a rematch, which is always fun to see in the playoffs, and and really one of the odder games of the season was the first meeting between these two. Orville goes up twenty-one nothing. Uh, Markel Parks breaks two long runs. It looks like they're, you know, it's going to beat up Manchester, and it ends up being sixty-seven to thirty-one. Manchester winning, so they outscore them sixty-seven to ten in the final three quarters. I would be hard pressed to find a team that's in the third round of the playoffs that get outscored sixty-seven to ten at any point <laughs> in that season. And you've got a lot of playmakers in that game. Parks we mentioned from Warville, Ethan Wright from uh, Mass or from Manchester, maybe. Uh, with 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 those two guys, I think they could play in any of these state uh, some or uh, regional finals. I think easily they could be in the uh, Menor game, you know, the Menor St. Ed's game. These two guys, they're in Division Five, but. They are big time talents. They are division. They they may be the best talents either of those two schools have seen in uh, for Orville a long time. Maybe the best Manchester's ever seen. Uh, and that's no. I mean, you're talking about two programs that are rich in tradition uh, historically. Uh, and that's I. I mean, but they are so. Tr- I mean, every time they touch the football, they're the they're the type of guys that you kind of hold your breath. I mean, can, is this time that you know? Is this you know, is this the play they, you know, they, they go for 60 or, or whatever. And I mean, it's, it, I think it comes, uh, I'm getting distracted, by the, but, uh, also is a distraction in the office, but, uh, in all seriousness, I think it comes down to which one doesn't have the bigger game. I think that's the, you know, that's the team that gets beat. Yeah, right. Uh, phenomenal stats the last two years. I think it's like twenty four hundred and twelve yards this year. Thirty nine touchdowns, over two hundred and fifty points because they get all those two point conversions with him. Last two years, he's closing in on about five thousand yards rushing. Uh, he had a big game the first time, including uh, again we talk about what a weird game that was. He returned an onside kick for a touchdown, which. I don't know, maybe that happens once every five years in a game. So uh, he can make a big play at any moment. And uh, he ended up with 200 yards rushing in that game. Kind of the X factor for this one, though, I think might be Hunter Foster, uh, Manchester's other running back. He also had a big game the first time against Orville. Scored four touchdowns, had 200 yards. He's over 1,000 for the season. So uh, it's more than just those two guys. Yeah, and you forget about Hunter Foster because all the attention is focused on Ethan Wright. And that's what makes Manchester dangerous is that if you put too much emphasis on Ethan Wright, then Foster can certainly hurt you. And if you look back over the last couple of years, that's the the games where Manchester won where Ethan Wright hasn't just you know put up Madden like numbers. You can probably count on you look and see that Foster has uh, has had a big game himself. So you know I think uh, Domer, the quarterback for Orville. Meanwhile, I think it's going to be an X factor for for them because uh, you know he can you know he, you know at some point somebody besides Markel Parks is going to have to you figure going to have to make a play and and the quarterback uh, he's you know multi year starter he's a kid that uh, you know can probably be that guy. Game is played at Northwest, and you'd mentioned this earlier as a proud Northwest alum, Chris. That uh, Manchester doesn't have fond memories of its earlier trip there this fall. 
No, uh, 1412. Knows uh, the score. Uh, I do. <laughs> Ethan Wright, 179 yards. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing with both of these guys, Parks and, and Wright, it's not so much. If you if you can you can let them have their yards, just don't let them cross that goal line. And and when Northwest beat Manchester in that game, they did a good. They have two or three plays where Wright got out in the open, where they were able to bring him down and make them snap the ball again. I think the same thing with Parks for Orville. Just make them snap the ball again. I think that helps helps your your defense's chances against them. I mean, speaking of venues, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what was the reaction to Maslin's Wadsworth game being in North Canton, and and uh, we got to be careful because we got Hoover guys here. But uh, what they think? Oh, you know, but even keeled, <laughs> measured response. I mean, just what you'd expect from from that fan base. Uh, I like the venue, actually. Um, it's going to be a know, great atmosphere. It's going to be. I mean, uh, I, I love, you know, playing in the big... The convenience of playing at Akron or Kent is great because, you you know, you, you don't have to worry about space and tickets and all that stuff. But you put a game like that in a, in a venue like that, which... Now that uh, you know they've done what they've done to Fawcett, uh, you know that's my second favorite venue in in Stark County behind behind Paul Rudd Tiger Stadium. You know it's old, it, I mean, but it, you know it's got some character to it. it it's a good venue, um, and uh, I really don't think they had many other options because Akron and Kent weren't available. I talked to somebody from Green who said there was no way they could they could capacity wise probably hold it. But, you know, the press box size wasn't going to be big enough. The other option was Worcester, and Masson played out there last year. And it was, you know, that was, well, there's, there's words you can't say on, uh, on the air to, to describe that. But, you know, other than that, where else are you going to put it? Send them back out to Mansfield, make both teams drive an hour to go to Mansfield. So I think they found a perfect site or as good a site as they can for that game. And it should be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be a great atmosphere. It's not going to have a bunch of empty seats like you would at the Division One colleges. Parking should be good. I'm sure there'll be some complaints here and there, but it should make for a great night of football in uh, Stark County with those two playing on Friday night at North Canton. A reminder, the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, for Friday, November 16th, will feature Maslin against Wadsworth. The broadcast starts at 6.30 when the Old Carolina pregame show on FridayNightOhio.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Can Repository Sports Department. Check back for another podcast next week. For Joe Scalzo and Chris Easterling, I'm Chris. Chris Bevan.